0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another great interview, a special guest here on Arash's World. Uh, today we have uh, with us Dr. Patrick Porter, uh, who is a neuroscience expert, as well as the founder of BrainTap. Um, welcome to the show here, Dr. Oh, Porter. Oh,
1: thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: Great. So uh, if you can just start and just talk a little bit about what you do, who you are, anything you, you would like to share with, uh, yes. my, uh, with my audience here. Well, I'm, I
1: was blessed to be the son of an alcoholic. So I started my journey at 12 years old and we got into doing technology-driven meditation, which helped my father. So I've been really in this business my whole career. I went to school as a psychologist, I uh, got that degree, and then I've been working in the field of light and sound uh, and vibration since the 80s. And we invented the very first portable light and sound machine called the MC Square. And the evolutions were now in our 13, uh, 13th different model uh, which really revolutionized the space called brain tap, where we and started including more photobiomodulation in for the brain and, and for just a brain recovery. We're we're seeing some really phenomenal results with using it for. Uh, whether it be concussions or dementia or uh, sleep, just different things like that. And so right now I spend most of my time uh, in the research portion of our business. Uh, We have other staff to take care of the day-to-day, which frees me up to do what I love to do, which is research and figure out how we can get our brains working at optimum uh, peak performance.
0: Great. Um, So uh, why the brain? Why did you decide to study the brain and to do research on the brain? What was fascinating to you about the brain?
1: Well, the biggest thing was my dad, I, I saw him growing up, really having a struggle with alcohol. He tried AA, which I think worked to some degree. But then as soon as he realized that he could calm his nervous system, at the time, I didn't realize that we just thought it was his brain. Uh, it was a thing called the Silva method. And what happened was when we learned this method, they used a sound, which was called the Silva sound, and it, inter- it interacted with our brain. Um, our brain, basically our earth, if we were to travel to earth with our, with a spaceship, the earth would resonate between 0.1 and 100 hertz frequency, and our brain does the same thing. So in this Silva process, they kept talking about how our brain has these different frequencies, and that if we could go to this level, they called it, which was alpha, I just saw magic happen. And myself, I was held back in second grade Jokingly, I say, Sister Barbara really loved me. She wanted me in her class twice. But uh, my brain, I had a broken brain, really. I mean, I, I, was, I had all the signs of attention deficit disorder. Uh, I couldn't read. I probably had dyslexia. But through the meditation process, I became an honor roll student and three sport captain, got a scholarship to college. And it just kind of, I, whatever happened to me, I, I perceive happened in my brain. And so I've always been curious: what happened? Where? Who was I before? <laughs> you know that? in just this this daily practice so transformed my life. And then I've just been doing it my whole life, and found that uh, it's very satisfying to see people change their lives. Now we work with a lot of medical doctors. Now we have two thousand three hundred clinics where they add in this mindset model to their practice as brain fitness because it's a it's a key component. Something called psycho. Um, Immunology is up right now. People need to know their—they need to keep their brains positive, <laughs> so, or their thinking positive might be a better way to say that, so that they keep their immune system functioning at its highest level. So it's just been something that's always intrigued me, and I—I I mean, I've had some pretty phenomenal experiences that would might border on the area of um, some people might say metaphysical, but I've had some experiences just this blew my mind because when you get involved in this in this kind of field, you get access to people that are true geniuses in their field. And these bodies are far more capable than what we're letting them be right now. And our brain, I think we're just tipping the iceberg. I think what happened in the 70s, I was part of the group in the 70s that our high school didn't even have physical fitness workout equipment. So I had to put a group together to get it funded so we could have workout, a workout room at our high school. Now that wouldn't happen today. You go into any high school, there's going to be physical fitness. So I think the same way that everyone knows about fitness from the seventies, but people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and other people talking about it, that the, the 2020s are going to be the brain because we have so many people out there, you know, that are concerned. You go into the grocery store, what do you see on the covers of all the magazines? At least half of them have a picture of the brain. So I just think it's, I've always been involved with it, but now it's, it's kind of our time to shine. I think
0: yeah and uh, there's been a lot of research now and movement here, neuroplasticity and, and and all that And we're learning so much more about the brain and it's still the tip of the iceberg yeah. so there's so much more that uh we we can find. we need to find out about mm-hmm. the brain um but so would your approach be more let's say uh a positive psychology or cbt is that the, the main focus yeah. here
1: yeah our main focus is positive psychology mm-hmm. we use we use guided imagery now. When we started using it, we didn't know what Bruce Lipton has showed, shared with us, which is that uh, with the words we choose, we can change 2,300 gene expressions. Which means if we choose positive language, we actually change the way we show up, and that's really important. You know, the, the negative person would tend to be sick because they turned off their gene expression for health. They've turned on their gene expression for illness. So, in it seems kind of beyond the scope of what's reality but the reality is that we are specifically light beings they now know that through biophotaic energy at the cider level we communicate within ourselves through light and there's something in the body called the dura which surrounds the brain but it also goes down through the fascia throughout the whole body they now figure this is something like uh fiber optics so we have brain waves we have photons we we're just we're just learning so much more about who we are that most people think we're this thing we see like they look at the screen they say oh that's dr porter that's you know whatever the reality is that they're not seeing me they're just seeing my reflection of light pulses (laughs) from from my information field really and that information field if we think of the brain as the default mode network it's the one that organizing it's the organizing principle But the reality is that we have a heart brain and a lot of people don't know about that and we also have a gut brain. So all these different brains work together. Now, when we first started, we didn't realize that. So now we're learning that there's this interconnectedness of all things. And as we work together and synergize we get this powerful release of energy that creates healing.
0: Oh, that, that's just fascinating because my, my first concern was if you just focus on the brain, it's like ex- at the expense of the rest of your body, but you're mentioning here the gut. And I think like now more and more research is showing how the gut is important. So much so important for in terms of protecting ourselves against diseases, in terms of also like uh, mental health issues like depression and so on. That is all and, and the magical word is interconnected. And I love that you're doing that. And also, it seems to me that you're taking also steps into quantum physics, basically, by, by talking about light and energy. So right. um, one of the things you do is uh, a meditation, uh, a type of meditation. And I would like to know, how is it different from traditional types of meditation? And maybe we can talk also a bit to tap into your, your brain tap uh, uh, experiment and as well as uh, experiences with this.
1: Right. Well, the biggest difference, I think, is most meditations, which we have some traditional meditations on the app as well because i'm not the only speaker we have 64 different speakers and some of them do like um, uh, what would happen after a yoga session you know those kind of meditations and there's some breathing exercise meditation there's some that's just music but when we talk about ours we're talking about a series of uh, particular exercises so think about it like a classroom for the brain each session is different and not just different in the encoding of our NeuroConnect technology, which means the way the brain moves, but also the words and the technique is different. So we'd like to tell people, we teach people how to think, not what to think. Our whole life, you know, people have been telling us what to think. The reality is that very few people know how to think. So to give you one big example, we're not just going to have you close your eyes, watch your breath, and hope something happens. In fact, I'm sorry to tell some of your listeners, but we've we've measured 30,000 brains over the last 10 years, and most of the time, people are stressing out their brain when they meditate, because they don't know what they're doing. It's, they, they get all upset and angry because they have this monkey mind, and they're not sure they're breathing right, and basically, they're doing more harm than good. So that's why most of the time, you learn with a master, somebody who knows the technique and is teaching you something. So what we did is we said, how can we teach people without having to be there one-on-one? And so we do that through light, sound, and vibration. So to give you an idea, our bodies are tuned to the light of our sun. If we don't go to sleep before 10 at night or 2 in the morning, we don't make as much melatonin. If, if at 2 o'clock every day, wherever you're at around the world, and your time zone at 2 o'clock, your temperature is going to drop 2 degrees. Now, at night, it does the same thing at 3.30. Now, every time that happens, we have a cause for it, right? We, we, in our conscious mind, we think we know what's going on. But the reality is that these bodies were designed to live in the Serengeti. You know, they haven't really evolved much more than that. So we're designed to actually reboot in the middle of the day. So we've shown that through with the light frequencies, we can train the brain to move through these different brain frequencies, slowing it down so that you actually imitate a cycle of sleep. But instead of taking four hours, which it takes for a nap, you can do it in 10 minutes, 15 minutes, or 20 minutes, depending upon how much time you have. And you can rebuild what is most important to our body right now is mitochondrial health because our body is just assaulted with all the different... Uh, we always say it's either thoughts traumas or toxins that are causing the problem there's a lot of toxins out there so if we can keep our cells operating and and produce what's called atp now we have the building blocks that can rebuild our bodies keep it if our energy is up in other words we can fight off all these other things that are happening even emf Uh, we know that if you walk outside barefoot you ground all that into the earth it doesn't bother you at all but the problem is we walk around with uh, rubber-soled shoes and we live in homes that are 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 totally separated from the earth that our body we're designed to move on the earth to be on the earth Uh, everything is symbiotic so we have to do some what we like to term now biohacking we didn't know that you know when it first started but people are now realizing hey we need this light so we did is we took the frequencies of light from the planet. We, we, I'm, my biggest movement is I always study, I've been studying since uh, since the beginning for me, ancient technologies and I, I, or ancient traditions, I should say, and we convert them into modern technology. So uh, if you think about if we were both on the Serengeti and we were out hunting during the day, we come back, whether we got something or not, we're pretty stressed out. And we wanted to get back to the tribal community because we could be dinner, you know, most of the most of the wild animals become active at night. So we want to be around the tribe. So we we would we would slowly walk back to the truth. We wouldn't turn on our televisions, right? We didn't have those. We would start a fire. That fire literally crackles and burns at 10 cycles, which means 10 hertz frequency, which is alpha. Now, what that means is our body's going to naturally unwind while we're by the fire. And most people know that anyway. You know, you think of a romantic time with your significant other, you have a fire going, a candle or something like that. Well, in physics, they call it an entrainment. Everything is entrained to everything else. If not, it becomes out of entrainment and becomes noticeable. You know, that's the, our our brain notices it. Like if if we're sitting sunbathing, let's say, and then a, a fire truck goes by, that brings us out of, out of our revelry of being in the relaxed state. Well, that happens at night. Right now, what we what we do is if or I should say, when you're in in the Serengeti, we would the fire would burn out. We'd go to bed. We wouldn't go out and get more logs. We wouldn't turn the channel to another movie. We wouldn't keep our lights on. You know, we would start to tune down. So now what we have to do is look at what is our our society is great, right? We've never been a better time to be alive, but with the the lights we have, the stimulus we have, it's not really good for our brain or our body. So we have to do things that work in conjunction with what our body is designed to do. So what we did is we took the light from the sun. What happens at sunrise and sunset. The incredible thing is there's been many studies done on that particular light. They call it sun gazing for those that want to look at it. They actually say it can re, it can retrain your gut biome, just the light can. So it resets your gut. Now, the reason that is, is your gut actually communicates twice as much to your brain as your brain does to your gut. There's more neuron connections in your gut. So when somebody says, I got a gut feeling about this, they're really saying my gut brain is talking to me. Now, on the same kind of note there, we have our heart. We have 40,000 neutrino cells in our heart, which means we have a heart brain. That's why when somebody says, my heart's not in it, their body, they get sick. They, you know, that's why you got to do what you love and you know do it every day. But there's been more heart attacks on Monday morning than any other day of the week because people, they don't have their heart in it. If you think about it this brain in between our ears it's really important but it's really almost like a slave unit it it basically we we train it and then it can turn on us and start to train us through bad habits and attitudes so we've got to we've got to take the time to retrain that brain so i think the biggest difference is we're going to go to that level of the mind called the subconscious which runs 95 percent of the biological patterns in our life and we're going to change it at that level and we're going to do it through light sound and vibration now The physiological effect, if we were to look at somebody meditating like a Buddhist monk and look at somebody who's brain tapping, the only difference is that Buddhist monk took 30 years to learn how to do that. The Mm -hmm. person who's using brain tap will get there in three sessions, the same place. In fact, one of the things in our studies we showed is we had 23% improvement in gamma just through three meditations. I've never seen anyone who's starting out meditating could do that in three sessions. In fact, I've never seen anyone who meditates on their own do that.
0: So, very, so I'm very glad that you're mentioning the subconscious because that is uh, what that is my concern with a lot of CBT because they just look at the surface and it's like, it's a brain and they don't go deeper into it. And I, I think there's so much more. And as you say, most of it is in the subconscious. Now, one of my fears of hypnotherapy and meditation and these guided meditations is that, uh, or even positive psychology to an extent is that they are base, basically telling you repeating same stuff to you that follow this and think positive and that's it. But it doesn't work that way because you are only getting to the top level and to really change, to make an impact, you need to go deeper into that. So with the meditation that you're suggesting, is that uh, going to be effective for reaching to like deepest like recesses of trauma and anxiety and stress? Yeah, that we've had great,
1: re- great results with our studies with PTSD and uh, hmm. survivors of abuse. We've had phenomenal results with that. And the reason is something we call Delta imprints. What that means is at the subconscious level, you don't know what's happening, but it's still back there festering. And you can think of your past almost like leftovers. Let's say you and I were at dinner and we're having your favorite meal. It's great, but we're having a great conversation. So we don't eat all our food. So we take it home. We put it in the refrigerator. Weeks later, it starts to stink. If you were a bachelor, of course, it would stay in there longer, but in, in the process we open up the refrigerator, maybe we're going to have friends come over. So we're going to get back in there. We're going to clean out our refrigerator because they might open it up. We get back to that little box from that meeting. We had, we open it up. It's green and fuzzy. We don't know what it was. We didn't mark it on the box. What do we do with all that stuff? Mm-hmm. We throw it away. Mm-hmm. We don't need to send it to CSI. We don't need to have somebody tell us that our parents were wrong or broken. <laughs> we, do- the reality is that we need to make peace with our past and take it all as a learned experience but we can't just let it play back there it's it's almost like having i tell people it's like you're in the front room of your home you turn the lights out in the front room because you're there but all the rest of the lights are on in your house And when you wake up in the morning you don't have
0: any energy but what about um trapped feelings emotions that we have and in in my view and this has been also my experience is you need to experience those emotions you need to let them come out and you need to feel them in order to be able to move on so it's it's right. probably for that. me not as simple as just throwing it away because it, it is a whole process that it, and we want to be careful of not going too quickly because then it might still fester there it's like the bacteria that might still be there so but, how can
1: we make well, let sure me kind of yeah let me kind of explain how this works because sure. we when you speak more than one language
0: yes i do okay I speak five.
1: so you have a brain circuit that most people don't have Mm-hmm. it's the language circuit now guess what everybody was born with that but at the age of about seven years old that brain circuit shut down it said hey we use a lot of energy here in our brain we don't we, we can shut this down we're not going to learn another language this is how mom dad brothers sisters all talk so that shuts down now if we try to learn a language people think they can teach it through textbooks but it's never the same as learning it at the, you I'm know, a language
0: instructor, with, so yeah, I, I know <laughs> yeah. the experience. Yeah, so sure.
1: so what, what happens is now we have my science officer speak six languages. He went with me on a trip to India, we were going through the universities because we do a lot of uh, research with the universities over in India. And by the time we were done with a 3 week tour, he's speaking Hindi. I said, Francisco, how are you doing that? He says, well, I've heard him speak it here. Because his brain circuit for learning languages is still active. He learned six, he says, I can pick up any language if I'm there two or three weeks. So this is how our brain learns. Now, what happens is we become emotionally stunted. We're never trained again, how to think. So we have an abuse, let's say, or a trauma. Unfortunately, in America anyway, we're taught to suppress it or we become a victim or we we put a lot of emotional binds to it. And the brain is very complicated. So what we're gonna do is, yes, you're going to feel it. Because you've got to liberate that energy. Exactly. It's a a computer program. Once you liberate that energy. So for instance, we, we say that all behaviors have a positive underlying intent. It might not be manifesting in a positive way. So we've got to reframe it in a way. Now, we're not going to leave it there. We're going to keep working on that. Because one time is never going to work. I mean, exactly. the, the uh, but you don't have to go to therapy for the rest of your life either. That's true. But, but what we have to do is let's say that we have um, in just using a, uh, a trauma, like somebody says, I can't get in a relationship anymore because I was raped or something terrible had happened to them. It could be male or female, doesn't matter. But every time they get in an intimate place, those memories, it kind of mm-hmm. overshadows. And the brain can only think about one to two things at a time. They call it first attention and second attention. So, but if we can slow the brain down so they start understanding how second attention works, that's the program before the program that shows up in their physical world.
0: And And, and most of it we're not aware of. This is like subconsciously where we just see the effect and we get the emotion, but we don't know why. And I I personally love psychoanalysis because it's bringing that into light and you get to analyze it and realize it. So it doesn't affect you, but it is a process, as as you were saying, too. It's not, you can't do it overnight. And so this is one of my concerns. If when you say you can get to the state of a Buddhist monk within a shorter time, if we're rushing it, I'm a bit worried about that. So how do you have any?
1: These are are all brain states we're all in all the time. So Mm -hmm. we're not taking somebody to a different place. What Mm -hmm. we're doing is we're going to focus like a magnifying glass on the brain wave. We're just talking about the brainwave. We can't take you to the same destination as a Buddhist monk. You know, they're using certain chants and rituals, and I, I'm not an expert at that. I mean, I've, I've seen enough of them, but I'm not, I'm, I've, I can't claim that I can take you to go see God, in other words, or something like that. What I can do is uh, what the brain tap does is put you into a physiological state where you're an alpha, theta, or whatever brainwave we want. We're going to use, say, Fujio frequencies, maybe, Noget frequencies. We're going to create a healing environment. So I, I, when I had my franchise company, one of the things I used to tell my therapist was, you create the space, they create the change. Mm-hmm. If that change is dependent upon me, then it's not going to be permanent or not even close to that. It has to be come from them. They have to have a direct experience with that change. If they do, now they can own it.
0: Mm-hmm. And if they Absolutely. own it, they can make other changes. And a lot of people, and this is a problem too. a lot of people, don't want to change. I mean, they say it, it's lip service, but when you look at it deeply, they're not willing to take the next step or make the sacrifices. And one of the things I've learned, too, is throughout my life is that the suffering experience, when I'm suffering, I actually learned most from those experiences. So in a way, when people stay in their comfort zone and don't take risks or don't don't uh, uh, confront the, uh, the trauma and these uh, feelings of anxiety, they are achieving themselves from a very helpful and healing experience. Would you agree with that?
1: Oh, definitely. I think it's kind of like living in Arizona here. If you live in Arizona, you get tired of sunshine, you know, and when it rains, you get all excited. But if you call somebody from Wisconsin who gets rained on all the time, they're like, big deal. It's raining in Arizona. You know, it's, it's like, so it's, we have to have that variety and that comes, that's really good for our nervous system. If, you know, one thing is that we only learn through challenges and stress. We don't learn when everything's hunky-dory and and fine, but the problem is that people get stuck in that cycle, they think that that's, they think they don't even have ever any periods of joy Mm -hmm. or gratitude. They focus too much on the negative. So there's got to, it's
0: always about balance. I mean, I think most people are an autopilot and it's like, you don't have the highs and lows, but it's like, it's, that's what life is about. I mean, to have those high and lows and, uh, and the more you feel, the more pain you will also feel, but it's actually part of being human. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. In a lot of circles, they'll call that like a compulsion blowout. You need to feel it so that it you're not giving it energy anymore. If it's back there festering, you know, it's under the surface and then it, it shows up under stress and then your relationship blows up or your, whatever you are wanting to do, it'll show up in a way that you usually don't want it. If you don't deal with it, it's going to, it's going to rear its head. So it's better to take a really good look at your, what do they say? The unexamined life isn't worth living. You know, so people, so people need to, people need to examine it, but not just examine it in, in, you can change you can transform the way you think about the experience because you're older you've learned more hopefully you've read good books you've listened to podcasts or read blogs whatever is going on that's going to transform your life because every piece of information they now know adds to our health bank account or takes away from it based on this genetic memory that our body develops through our experiences
0: you mentioned earlier magnifying glass of zooming into something and I find that fascinating too with now with COVID because I feel that there's like magnifying glasses on each and every one of us how do we deal with this emotional toll and some people are doing really well they become more resilient and others are just breaking down and so what kind of advice or tip would you give to to people during these these really difficult times that we're going through
1: well, first of all, I would start to focus on everyday doing. There's a difference between doing what you're doing so you won't get sick. That's a negative approach. And what will happen is I always tell people, we call it the Job effect here. Job said, what I fear greatly has come upon me. You know, So if, if people are fearing something, they're going to bring it about. But the other people that are saying, hey, I'm going to be healthy, I might get COVID, but I'm gonna be healthy, my immune system's healthy, I don't have sugar problems, I'm keeping my sugar under control, I'm exercising, I'm getting sunshine. They're gonna say, I'm ready for it. You know, I, I don't, I'm not really personally, I'm not concerned about COVID for myself, but it's, it's uh, I might've already had it because I was in India and when it came back when it was happening and I got a little bit of sickness, you know, and I had no smell for a little bit. So I, but I didn't get tested because nobody was being tested then. It was like before <laughs> it was a big deal. But I think if you focus on it, I, I have known people that ate far better than me, that were religious about their food, but it was all about negativity. They were eating this way so they wouldn't get sick. And they always they were always sick. You know, you should eat this way to be healthy. It's all a mindset. You know, you, you have to be aware of what can hurt you, but you don't want to focus on that all the time. It's kind of like writing a business plan. The worst part of a business plan and most people, they don't want to say, what is it like if I fail? How am I going to know if they want to pretend it's not going to happen? But you got to be aware of that, you know. And, and but
0: but my, my concern is less actually about, I mean, the, the, it's a horrible disease, but it's also like it brings to the forefront a lot of things that was hidden. And I see it as personally, it's like what's in the subconscious comes out. So people who get obsessed about their health, that is something that is that is negative, but that was already within them so what it's a catalyst i think that's the word I, I, I would use for this case it's a catalyst for a lot of traumas that we have that are coming out and now we see people behave in irrational ways and i think that was actually already in them it's just finding expression through this once in a hundred years uh, pandemic that that happens right so and in a way, I mean, it can—it it is a horrible thing. And, but in a way, we can see the positive side of it. And I am an optimist. So uh, generally, <laughs> I, I see the good side of things. And I've seen a lot of good things, good changes. And one of the main things is actually digital uh, health, for example, or uh, technology, uh, which has made like leap jumps forward. We are, it's like 10, 15 years we've jumped ahead. Now, it's amazing that you already were aware of this years ago, and you have already your proponent of of digital health and telehealth, right? Um, So um, how do you feel that this is actually really helping the cause and that you've been right all this time?
1: (laughs) Well, I think, yeah, a lot of people don't realize being an optimist, I've I've been told at times that I'm too positive. I'm like, I'd rather be disappointed every once in a while than every day. You know, a pessimist wakes up every day. It's terrible. I think that there's always a solution. And um, there's um, Paul Polzner, I think his name is. He wrote a book that he stated that any problem we have in the world, there seems to be a technology solution. But I don't believe that's totally true, but there's there could be some problems that aren't technology driven. But if it's a technology problem. They're going to, somebody out there is going to be the genius that creates the solution. Like you said that right now we're noticing people were just going crazy eating junk. And, you know, the, there's a book that was written about uh, fast food industry and how that changed our food chain because everybody wanted it cheaper and faster. And, you know, th- there's a saying in software engineering, it says you can have it fast or you can have it cheap, but you can't have both. So, you know, people wanted it fast, so they got cheap, you know, they, they didn't get the nutrients in there that they wanted, and things like that. I think that what's going to happen now is people are going to start shifting, they already are. I mean, you look at, even though it's not in the mainstream media about what nutritional things you can do, there's enough back channel, nutritional gurus out there that are telling people and the mindset has to be there. I mean, one of the things I think we're going to have to work on here is people look at other people as if they're biological hazards. I think that's the worst thing. You're not a biological hazard. You are a person and you have a unique, you have something unique to share with the world. And we don't want to silence that. And I think they're, they're, you know i don't know what's going to happen with these kids too that don't know how to read facial expressions because that's so much a part of our life i mean they're 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 only seeing people outside their home with masks on i mean they're i don't know what that's going to cause i mean we'll we'll see that play out but i think that the main thing that this is showing is people need to step up and take responsibility for their own health and even doctors are being shut down i mean it's like what i mean these guys even if they say something they're being deplatformed or or told they can't say those things because the narrative's being driven by the media instead of by the medical community. You know, if it was by the medical community, I think we'd already have a
0: solution. But uh, when when we look at things also, a lot of people are starting to bake their own bread, they're growing their own food and vegetables. And this is like something you can be to an extent, of course, self-sufficient, And in in our case, we realized we don't have to go to restaurants anymore. We can make these food, like we can learn new recipes and, and make it at home. And in many cases, even better and healthier. So I think that's an important shift. But the other shift is that yes, technology Is We can use it in many other ways. We can utilize it, uh, whether it's for for medical consultations, whether you want to see your your therapist online, or again, courses online, uh, working from uh, from home, remote work. And I think these are very good things that we should embrace and not, uh, uh, not be afraid of. Um, but what could be some potential hazards there of uh, moving towards uh, a more uh, a world that has more digital health and and uh, uses technology more in everyday life?
1: Well, I think that we we don't want to be tied. We want to use technology to our benefit, not to our detriment. You know, they know that there's a lot of when people get tech neck and, and things like, because they're walking around with what they call digital dementia, you know, they, they can't get their screens away. I think people have to be aware of how much time they're spending doing these things, or someone's gonna come up with some screens that aren't so damaging to us. You know, I think that's the next step is somebody in technology gonna say, you know what, we don't have to be sharing all this radiation <laughs> with, with the world, we can do something different. Uh, but I think that when, some, when people, it's almost become the new addiction uh, for a lot of people is this digital addiction. And they're not, it's supposed to be making us more, um, more creative, uh, get more done. But if you're finding that you're watching more cat videos, you know, or something like that, it's not really going to help you that much. Because you can get sucked down the YouTube rabbit hole, right? If you start one video, then the next video, then the next video, even if it's healthy, you know, stuff, you can, you can find an hour goes by, and you had something important to do. But now you're, uh, at least that's happened to me before. And, I, and I'm, I'm very cautious of it. You know, I, I don't really play games on my computer, mm-hmm. uh, but I've seen enough kids play games on computers and my
0: son, you know. It's, it's really how you use it. And yeah. so, and that's the other thing of being like uh, moderate about its use and being able to to balance it out with other stuff. So uh, what we do is we have our walks in nature and so on mm-hmm. to balance it off with the uh, the work that I do at home through technology. And I think that that is that is hugely important. But I think it also opens up so many benefits for people who did not have access to let's like, say uh, medical advice and help, they can get it. And people who are uh, from, from let's say remote areas can now have consultations online. And uh, you have an up, conference called biohacking and mm-hmm. I, I i appreciate the use of the word hacking which can be good or bad i mean depending again how you use it right yeah. and that's that's the thing that everything has it's 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 uh, both sides the good and the bad it depends what we're doing with it and could you maybe talk a bit about the term itself which i find fascinating biohacking, and maybe a bit about the conference as well
1: right well dave asprey kind of coined that word uh, and what he says is it's, it's using either technology or your environment or foods to upgrade really your biological system. So and through measurements, through some kind of provable science, not just because you feel good or you think it's gonna work, but if, they, if anybody tunes into that conference, they're gonna be blown away. These are people that you know they're talking and they're walking that talk in other words. These are, when, when we first went to the first uh, biohacking event that we were there, we, we measure people with HRV. We have a clinical grade uh, tool that measures nine different parameters of the of our biological system. We had never seen people that good. I mean, we're used to going to medical clinics and in medical conferences, and believe me, even though you'd think they'd be the healthiest people on earth, they're usually not because they're, the caregivers aren't taking care of themselves. You know, they're taking care of everybody else, but they're not taking care of themselves. But these biohackers, they 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 did this for themselves, and they're showing us a way to do it. And you'll you'll hear from different world-renowned people, from thinkers to people who have technologies to just different foods you can do just by making some food choices, or even, I mean, one of the biggest things now is about intermittent fasting, you know, that, that are out there. And, in. Uh, what are your India. thoughts on that?
0: Because I, I'm a strong believer in it, but, and I've been yes. doing it for a couple of years, but what are your thoughts on that? I'm glad. Yeah. That well,
1: well when I, uh, I did a uh, series with uh, one of the leaders in this field of, of, uh, of doing, uh What's her name? The uh, but it's about intermittent fasting. So I started doing that right about Mm -hmm. when COVID started. I've lost almost forty pounds
0: Mm -hmm. and And uh, fifty pounds, I think. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And I usually don't eat until one or two in the afternoon. I I try to keep it within an eight hour window or or less, Uh, and that works like a champ for me. And COVID made me take a good look at what was going on with me because I got so busy being busy. I used to travel to forty three to fifty shows a year. And so there's a lot of excuses, right? I'm, I'm out of town. I'm at this place. What's the great best restaurants? You know, I'd eat the foods and I would say, oh, I can't exercise. I'm too busy. Now I can exercise. No problem. I can, I can do the things. There's no excuse anymore. You know, you can, some people, they, they talk about this COVID-15 or COVID-20. I mean, the people that I know in the wellness industry, they took this time to really get well. You know, they, they got their bodies in shape. And this is what this group's about. There's a lot of different technologies. Like if you came to my office, even in New Bern, North Carolina, I could take you through three hours of different biohacking that we have here in our in our clinic. It's mainly a research clinic, but we get, we have all the equipment, so the staff gets to use it. And But it's it's a way to upgrade our bodies. And I think that it for people, if we could take somebody from the 50s and bring them to the future now and see what we have, they would think it was Star Trek. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's so much, you know, when you talk about lasers, light therapy, vibration, um, PEMF, all of these different technologies that really tune up our bodies and you can do it in a short time. Now, a lot of these, what's kind of neat is a lot of the things that you need to do, you already have. So when you come to the conference, you're going to go, you don't have to buy anything. You already have it at your disposal. You're just not using it correctly. So these guys will teach you how to use. And the biggest thing, of course, is your own thinking you know, that, um, but they'll teach you how to, you know, how do you think about foods? How do you shop for foods? How, how do you, when do you eat? Like the, bio, there's so much in this field. And I think it's, it's really an emerging field. I mean, these are, these conferences are getting bigger and bigger. And, um, you know, we, we see them all over the place. I do some smaller conferences like this, where we only have hundred to 200 people and local, local groups and people want to know, how can I, how can I take responsibility for my health? And this is a good one to do that.
0: And this year you have a virtual conference as well in addition yes. to an in-person one. And I will be attending that. And thank you very much for the pass. I'm very excited to, to find out more about it. But this is, this is what uh, technology has given me and many others. We can access these conferences where before it, we couldn't because right. it's, it's far away. We have to take time off work and traveling and so on. And now we can be there. I know it's not the same. And I would love to be there in person to actually like, try out some of these things that you're talking about. But it is still a very good substitute for that, I think.
1: Oh, yeah. There's going to be a tech hall. Of course, you can't get on the equipment like you would if it was a physical tech hall. Mm-hmm. But you'll be able to talk to the actual makers of this equipment. Oh, ask them any questions. You don't have to buy anything. You can get off. You know, they want you to be someone who questions. These are This is a group of people that loves that kind of that uh, scientific mind that doesn't believe anything unless you prove to them that it's working. So I, I always encourage skeptics to come to the biohacking conferences because these are people that are swimming upstream. They're like the salmon that are, you know, but they're healthy doing it. Not like the salmon that gets too much cortisol and dies two hours after they lay their eggs, you know? So, but these are people that they know when to train. They know when to recover. They know they, they've just figured it out and they're still learning. What I, what I love about this group is they ne- there's no one that i've met at the biohacking conference that is speaking that thinks they know it all and i love that they're they're really inclusive they you know if you have something that really works they're going to love you they're not going to say oh that doesn't you know it's not like you're trying to s- change religions or something it's they're going to they're going to treat you really well cuz their whole goal is to maximize their body's ability to
0: function I love that openness and uh, skeptical. And I'm a skeptical of many things. And uh, again, science as well. There's certain things in science that I'm skeptical uh, skeptical of. And then other things as well in, in, in other parts. And I think for me personally, one of the things is uh, if science says it, yes, that's good. But there's other things that I think for myself and I use my own experience. And if the results are good, if it works, and it's basically like the placebo effect, if that has an effect on me and can make me healthier, why not? Why do we have to always understand processes that we actually can't? And in many diseases, I, I, I suffer from sleep apnea, and whenever I ask them what causes it, and, and it's just, well, we don't know. And it's it, it come to my, I'm thinking more that uh, a lot of this, these kind of uh, conditions that we have, and uh, psychosomatic conditions and health conditions and so on, is related to uh, stress and anxiety. And I've had chronic stress. And by relieving that, I see that my blood pressure is is fine. I feel much better. I feel much happier. And um, if you ask the scientists, they would say, no, it can't happen. (laughs) I tried intermittent fasting and they told me not to in my diabetic class because I have type two diabetes. And I went ahead and still did it. And my results is I am feeling much better. And yes, my blood sugar has gone down against the advice of uh, the scientific experts. So it's, you again, have to be skeptical of of everything and science, that's the idea of science. We want to ask questions, we want to improve and we don't know the answer. This is a theory for now, it could change next week,
1: right? Yeah, I think the nicest thing, when when we look at our research and we published a lot of research over the last, over COVID too, um, we had a research project that was Uh, with the NIH here in the US, in Cleveland does an event every year, but of course, we had to do it virtually. Uh, But they finally, I presented the paper where we could reduce stress 39.2% in a population of 100, 100 people, 55, 65 years old, with one session. And then if they did it three times a week, that became their new baseline. So that's how they operated. And it would have been nice to do that in person. But the uh, what what the point I was going to make is that now we have people like these biohackers, they're not being that that research isn't being subsidized they're they're the research you know so you're only hearing one you know maybe it's one person but if enough biohackers talk about it then it becomes like a collective and they go oh yeah you know getting in ice tubs you know we used to do that in sports you know after after a football game you know you get in the ice tub because you're all bruised up now they're doing that for regulating the nervous system you know uh, let's do hyperbaric chambers let's do light therapy processes you know and brain tap of course all those things they're testing them against the biometrics because we can wear our biometrics on our wrist now right uh, i don't have to have mine on but we do a lot of work with Biostrap, which is uh, a great way to measure sleep and performance um you know so there's a lot of things we have a biker right now he's doing 100 um what do they call it iron in 100 days he's doing the same course but he's doing it 100 times in 100 days and his recovery score actually went up after 45 days, but he does brain tap in the morning, does brain tap in the middle of the day and brain tap before he goes to sleep. So he's getting the recovery. A lot of people, they stress out their bodies, but they don't have that downtime. So when you're talking about stress, the problem is that people think they can work their way through their stress, which you, you can to some degree, but you've got to do some kind of relaxation, you know, um, and whether it's take a vacation with your family, go for walks, do some forest bathing like you're talking about, go for walks in the wilderness. We live in the woods, which is nice. We can walk out in the in the woods. We also live by on a river. So we have the running water. So you gotta get away from it all. You gotta get away
0: from the grind. And there's a misconception that if you're taking downtime, if you're taking a break, you're wasting time. And that is not true. It's exactly opposite, actually. The opposite is true. And I find when I feel like tired, I don't want to go on working. i just take my break. And when I come back, it goes much more smoothly. I do a better job at it. I'm I'm more aware of what I'm doing. And uh, how do we get this message through to, to people? It's like, it's okay to take time off. Don't be just driven by always constantly on the go and working all the time.
1: Right. I think as people become more and more aware of how the brain really functions, mm-hmm. we have to have time to take our experiences and make them long term memories so they can feed back through our biological system as short term memories. You know, that's how we get our habits and patterns changed. If we don't, then our brain simply goes into the default mode network yes. and we keep doing whatever we're doing. So I think people are becoming more aware of that. I mean, even we're, we're partners with a soccer team here in Kansas City. And they put in a 20 station brain tapping room. After every soccer match, they use these, um, uh, their compression boots where it pumps the bad blood out of the legs and they're doing brain tap at the same time. So then the zero gravity chairs, they're doing this. And what they found was their healing time improved and their performance improved just for that one 20 minute activity after practice. Because they, they, they used to be, you'd work out that hard, you go take a shower, you shuffle out to your car, you go home, whatever in your, there's a, always that low level chronic stress. And if, but if we can liberate that stress, I tell people your body's like a capacitor an electronic circuit, it's gonna hold a charge till it gets to discharge. And you don't wanna discharge on somebody or using illegal substances or something. You know, you wanna do it as naturally as possible.
0: Yeah, and even legal substances. I mean, you can get addicted to anything. I was addicted to, to food when I was obese, and now it's, I don't use it as a substitute. I deal with my stress. And one of the points is that people often forget is the the brain is a muscle, right? So it's something that you can work out, you can train. So when you say the expression of brain entrainment, uh, that it makes sense to me, because yes, you can shape it in different ways and you're not stuck in the default ways of doing things. Now, uh, you mentioned uh, evolution, and I'm a strong believer in evolutionary psychology. And I think a lot of things that we see now, it comes from a connection to our past, our ancestors and so on. But there's also the negative side of the negativity bias. So which where we see things as a catastrophe, as a threat to our lives, where in our modern life, it's not the case. I mean, I know there's COVID around, but still we see minor things as a threat to our health and well-being, and even our lives. For example, losing a job or not getting the promotion you wanted. And when you look at it, these are minor in the scale and the big picture of things, but how can we shift our our focus from, from that and see more clearly? Well, I think having a practice,
1: like we, we spend a lot of time during brain tap sessions in gratitude, as well as just appreciating what you have. We live in the greatest time on earth. There's, I mean, could you imagine back in the 1600s, you would have to be one of the royals to be able to hear a classical performance of a symphony. Well, you and I both have our phones, right? We can turn on the symphony anytime we want. I mean, we, can, we have the ability to have the soundtrack to our life, whatever we want that soundtrack to be, but people don't use it. You know, so I think it's on what we focus on. And unfortunately, we have this negativity bias in our news. I was being interviewed in Tucson, Arizona years ago when I, I had a book come out called Awaken the Genius, and I was touring about it. And this guy said, you know, we started a positive news network, but it didn't last three months. And I said, really? He goes, yeah. He said, we started it because a woman bus driver saved all the kids in the bus, got them off the bus. The bus fell off the cliff. They would have all died. She saved them all. They didn't even put it in the news. Now, if they had have been in that bus, it would have been all over the national news. That bus driver would have been sued. They would have said she was drinking. You know, it was just been negative. So, but he, what he said is it's people, unfortunately, are so predisposed. So I think one by one, like this podcast and doing the things that we're doing, this is how we're going to change it. There has to be an underground grass movement that says, look, we can be, we can be aware of the negative. You know, we got to take care of ourselves. If you're sick, don't go outside, you know, uh, you know. If you have one of these compromising conditions, then be careful, you know, all these things, but that doesn't mean we have to stop living and we don't have to look at other people as biological hazards, you know we're people, you know, and we share more than we think. You know there there's a reason there's actually been experiments on mice, and, I, and this will make sense in a moment. <laughs> they, when they run mice through a maze, if a mice, if a mouse anywhere in the world makes it through that maze, they can't use that maze in any other laboratory in the world. Because every other mouse, at the moment that mouse runs through it, has access to that same information. So they're saying something like this morphogenetic field. We, we share, or what Young used to say, the group unconscious. You know, there's, there's something, they don't know what it is yet, but there's something about, you know, like even when they broke the four-minute mile, that's one people use a lot is after that d- happened, now high schoolers are breaking the four-minute mile you know it's it's like it used to be no way anybody could do that that's the limits of human behavior i mean anything that we say is a limit eventually somebody breaks it you know that we are far greater than we've been led to believe so the the whole key here is, is to unlock that potential and start activating it and that happens through the just what you said earlier being optimistic mm-hmm. And that's, that's and, what's gonna activate
0: it. And we are interconnected. And I remember when uh, when news broke in, in China and they said there's this, uh, this strange virus that's going around. And and I, I said, well, it's over there. Oh, we hear about Ebola in, in Africa. Well, it's over there. And now we see, no, it's over there. No, it, it is connected to us in, in many ways. So what's happening car- uh, currently in India is, is frightening. And I think we have this like collective suffering that is happening throughout the world is global suffering. And what that does is, again, this is the optimist in me, we have more empathy because of it, at least in, in, in a large, uh, in many people have that who have empathy and they can, uh, they can connect better with others. They understand what it feels like to, to suffer. And we were kind of cut off before. And so this is another thing that uh, that COVID has done. And also with the vaccine, where people are working together, scientists around the world are working together. And and yes, there is politics and we we can't avoid that. But at the same time, they are working relatively well with each other. There are challenges, of course, and we need to deal with them. And but it's 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 helping in many ways. And if we can just have that mindset and just say, like, let's do this like this and let's follow this and everybody needs to be free from COVID for this thing to disappear. You can't just have your own bubble and we are fine and and everybody else is not. So that kind of interconnectedness is is, uh, we need to really feel it and understand it and, and follow through with it.
1: Yes, yeah, I agree. I think that well, think about what Kennedy did back in the 60s when he said we're going to go to the moon, they, they liberated everybody and said hey you're gonna spend your time doing this nobody thought it was possible. So I think that's what's happening now we're getting some of the greatest minds in the world working toward a solution. you, the, the only sad part is they're not giving solutions to people that actually get it. You know, the the only solution right now is go home for 14 days when, when they're, you know, the biohackers will tell you, there are things you can do, you know, um, but colds and flus are natural. So, I mean, not the severe one that we're having now, but you know, it's it's natural to go through those. It's just, but if your body's not, if your body's it, sensitive.
0: It, it made me think because I, I took it as natural something that's all around, but we could have a world without colds and flus. And this was something that also jumped from animals. And these are uh, coronaviruses as well. The, the, the cold, the common cold and so on, and even the flu is like these bacteria. Mm-hmm. And uh, there are people working on vaccines to eliminate that. So you get a shot and for life, you won't have any cold or flu symptoms. And that is fascinating to me because I, I always took it for granted, but no, I, we can imagine a world where we can uh, treat various uh, diseases and even common ones like that, we can live without them. And it's that, that, that shift in mind that it is possible. And one of the things I don't like about, about science and, and, and the medical, traditional medical field is when they say, okay, well, uh, you have cancer and you have, let's say, a month to live. And what is your chance of surviving? Well, it's very low. It's like 1%, or 5%. But I'm thinking, focus on that one and 5% because it's not impossible. And so many people, and we have Stephen Hawking, for example, who lived much longer than they were expected to live. Mm-hmm. How is that possible? Why not foster that? Why not take that path? We don't want to give false hope, but why not encourage it? It's like, you want to give it a try. It's very, very low, the probability, but it's possible. And I don't hear that enough from, from medical doctors. It's mostly negative. Yes. Yeah. yeah
1: unfortunately, they're, they're covering their their rears instead of, <laughs> instead of you know, they're do- doing it because they either work for a hospital or they don't want to be sued for giving false hope. And I think that but I think they should be given both op- options. I mean, exactly. they should be told how many people actually heal from that. I mean, we've seen some pretty incredible things over the years with all the clinics that I work with because 2,300 clinics that we work with with BrainTap that, that run the system. And they're telling us, we get these incredible stories. And we said, well, unfortunately we can't tell anybody because we could get in trouble for telling that story because the the ftc would say that we're making claims but it's just somebody's experience so we just tell them hey go on social media write you, tell us your story in your own words there you know then it's okay but i mean it's there's so many things out there and unfortunately too a lot of our cures if you will or the way people get well has to do with money <laughs> instead of yeah. you know our innate intelligence can do it if we're if everything else is right and even the pills we take, even the vaccine at the, the real base of that is it, it's activating our own innate intelligence. It's just our, intelli- our innate intelligence gets kind of off track because of these viruses or bacteria and things like that. And it doesn't get the right signals. So if, if we can get really clear in that, and, and I do, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I would love to see a world without these, these kind of illnesses. And I think that once, once the consciousness of the planet is ready for that, mm-hmm. you know, it'll happen.
0: Mm-hmm. With uh, I feel the same way with uh, sleep apnea, my sleep apnea clinic. They said, I said, I'm feeling better. I've lost a lot of weight. I want to see if I can uh, be cured of this. Uh, and they said, no, no, It's uh, you are stuck with this. And uh, we're going to continue with the treatment. And I, I think I can't buy that. We, I mean, we there's just a can- part of me. Yeah, I just, know just, it's just, for them the money, right? It's like yeah. making sure that I buy the new mask and update it. And I was like, don't think like that because you're here to help us. You're here to to treat us. It's not about money. It shouldn't be, but it is yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Right?
1: We just finished a pilot study that we're now moving into a big study with Seminole College in Florida. We mm-hmm. took women, we took the, the the women in the pilot study. They were 55, 65 with dementia. They were, they were all diagnosed with it. Six weeks later, Uh, to kind of quicken the story because i know we're running out of time they they come back their doctors said they had dementia they did the cambridge science testing they had dementia we measured their brain their left hemisphere was out of sync which means it was moving faster than the right so they had dementia so we trained them to use brain tap three times a day they went back to their doctors after six weeks the doctor said wow if you came to me six weeks ago i wouldn't have diagnosed you with dementia they said well can you change it no we can't change it because there's no cure for dementia so they don't have the symptoms of dementia, but they don't, they're still diagnosed with it. We do the Cambridge science testing. They no longer score in these, these are cognitive skills that they have to mm-hmm. do. And then we measure their brain, it's balanced. They had 49% neuroplastic change, 58% reorganization capacity, which meant they got a new brain. They And anybody can do this. It's like you, our brain is so valuable that it's like the liver. You know, the liver can regrow itself. Yes. Our brain, even under any condition, we just have to give it the right environment. And, you know, and right now the most under-prescribed nutrient on earth is light, improper light. I mean, everybody's, even vitamin D, which they're the big really promoting is not a vitamin. It's a hormone that is stimulated by the light from the sun. So, but you can synthesize it, right? And and give our body that, but wouldn't it be great to just have our own, (laughs) you know, we have the world's greatest pharmacy in our head. Let's get it working. You know, that's, that's my, that's my philosophy.
0: And and the brain uh, shrinks and it grows and it's like the constantly like moving. And, and I was like surprised to find out that inflammation is really like shrinking your brain, but then when you get rid of it and through stress, getting rid of stress and so on, and that's why you feel healthier and you feel actually smarter and you probably are smarter because, uh. It's it's grown, right? So this is how everything is 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 affecting us in different ways. I just would like to have also um, a definition of mindfulness from you. How would you define mindfulness? Because this goes around and people have different conceptions about it. What is your definition?
1: My definition is to be present, and clear in your thinking about what's happening. Like you're not you're not just going into default mode. You know, mm-hmm. you're actually you're you're consciously creating your life instead of living your life by default. You're living your life on purpose you know you can be a mindful eater you can be a mindful parent you can be a mindful worker it doesn't have to be just about meditation this thank you, you know, that's
0: that's exactly what i wanted to hear because a lot of people think yes i did my meditation it's done and i'm mindful and i say no you're not <laughs> and and there are studies that show that certain people who do meditation are more selfish and egotistical than than people who don't and i think something went wrong there right you are not mindful and mindfulness right. is exactly how you're defining. That's exactly the same way I see it. It's it's a 24-hour nonstop way of living. I though. think
1: the world will only change when we start to realize nobody gets out of here alone. We're in it together. If we, mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you were brought up, the color of your skin, what language you speak. This is one spaceship called Earth. Mm-hmm. And we're all stuck on it. And mm-hmm. we can make it a very beautiful place. It can be heaven on Earth or it can be hell. You know, I want to make it heaven. You know, so that my grandkids and their kids and on into the future have a wonderful place to learn, grow and develop and, and grow into the gifts that God's given them. You know, that's that's the space we want to give them.
0: What a wonderful way to to end our conversation, our interview today. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk to you. I could go on, but uh, I know we have other things to do as well. But thank you so much for taking the time and and all the very best. I very much look forward to the biohacking uh, conference that will be attending soon. That's
1: great. I'm glad you're coming and thanks for helping us get the word out there.
0: Thanks so much. Take care.